Hi, welcome to the Braintree High Student Press Podcast. I'm Jack. I'm Finn. And I'm EJ. In this week's episode, we will be talking about winter sports at BHS, the Met G Festival, TikTok being banned in the U.S., restrictions on gender-affirming care, and the peer leadership program. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good day. I've It's been an okay day. It's very tiring. Um, I woke up really early and went to bed really, really late. It's been a very busy week. It's our last week of doing the podcast as a group. That's right. This is the last, the last podcast for the cycle. So next week you'll get a whole new group of people. How did you guys like doing the podcast? It was everyone's first time, if I'm right, right? Yeah, yeah I've never done the podcast before, but I've done other stuff in um, this class, which is very fun. So it's nice to get to do a bit of everything. Yeah, no, it's nice. I'm, I'm excited to, to change it up, though. I, I, was a f- I was a fan of the podcast. I think it was fun. Let's talk about the school. With the end of winter sports season approaching quickly, the dance team received first place at the Winter State Champions in both the Palm and Jazz categories. But more importantly, this weekend, Braintree competed in the annual Massachusetts Educational Theater Guild Festival on Saturday the 6th. EJ, you were there, right? Yeah, I'm a member of the tech crew for our theater guild, so I'm head of our costume crew, and then I operated the spotlight for festival, which is super fun. What was the uh, festival for? Was it, like, what happened? It's an annual competition where schools bring a one-act that they've been uh, working on. Sometimes students create the one act, sometimes they just direct it, sometimes it's just the usual director picking out a show to do. And we bring our sets, our props, our lighting, and we bring it all to one high school and compete. So we spent all of Saturday watching about six other schools also show off the play that they've been working on. For Braintree, we did The Flow, directed by um, fellow students Bridget Sawyer and Aislinn Erickson. They, I know Cast has been working on it for a good two months, and they did a really good job. And for tech, we also, we had, we had a lot of fun. We started a bit later, which made it a bit of a challenge. But it was always, it's always kind of fun to watch everything kind of come together in one, one cohesive piece. Um, usually we do it more than once, though, so it was kind of hard to, like, one and done the show. But it was, it was a lot of fun. How, how long was it? Like, was it two hours? Like, you're, you're the flow Our, in the general. The show? Yeah. Um, well, there's a 40-minute time limit on each of the one acts. Last year, we actually got disqualified for going overtime. So um, we didn't this year. We were a lot more under time because we had been worried about that. But, yeah, they're all about between, like, half an hour and the 40 minutes. But there was a lot of us, a lot of shows. So we were there till about 9 o'clock at night after getting there at, like, 8 in the morning. So yeah. long day. Did we win? Uh, we did not move on. Um, out of the, like, eight schools that were there, only four moved on, and we were not one of them. Uh, maybe next year. Maybe. It's always kind of hard because they don't organize it by any specific, like, budget range. So while we had a very small budget, other schools ha- were, like, who were definitely more private schools had a lot more funding than us. So it was kind of hard to watch us kind of compete with, like, things that we had to reuse versus schools who bought entirely new stuff and got a lot more support from their schools, it feels like, at times. But... That's always, that's always a big issue, I feel. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you had fun, that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and that's not the only thing we're doing for the spring. Um, auditions for the three one-acts that are also going to be directed are next week, so if you're interested in that, you can go outside of the auditorium and sign up, 
or you can just uh, join Tech Crew, which will have its first meeting for that very soon, or just come and see the show. Uh, we don't have a date yet, but sometime in April. And it's always kind of fun to see, like, and, and come support fellow students and the arts. And now on to our headlines. Recently, the House of Representatives passed a bill giving President Biden the power to ban TikTok. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, I saw a little bit about it. I know that, like, devices were already banned on, like, federal, like, phones or anyone who works in the government is already banned on theirs. Yeah, it's, um, it's already been banned on devices for, like, government officials, but, like, there's been a big push to have it banned in, like, the entire country. It's been, like, really drastic to, from many people working in the government. They really want this to happen. Is there, like, a specific reason why, or...? Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly security issues, they believe, because TikTok's owned by a uh, Chinese company, ByteDance, and um, with, like, all the stuff that went on with, like the, like, the balloon incident almost a month ago now, I feel like they, like brought attention to like people thinking like security issues that because supposedly TikTok has been taking the personal information from its users and it has like uh, probably over like a hundred million users I think I read so uh, yeah it could mean an end to TikTok in the United States do any of you use TikTok yeah I do no. You a like, lot. You like making TikToks? No, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a bystander. I like to watch them. Yeah, I don't have the app, but I get, like, reposts from it on other sites, and then, like, friends send it to me, so. I'm not big on TikTok. I like um, Instagram reels. A lot of those are TikTok reposts, though, so it's. Yeah. Um, interesting to see how that could trickle down into other social media sites. In other news, a bill was passed by Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves to ban gender-affirming hormones in the state of Mississippi for anyone under the age of 18. Um, have you guys heard anything about this? This was I have, because I know this has been an ongoing thing with a lot of states trying to like restrict um, ch- um, kids or teenagers who are transgender and trying to transition. I think part of that is because of the belief that, like, kids aren't, like, fully developed in, like, their brain, which is kind of true. But there's also enough studies to kind of show that this kind of transition can mean a lot to um, trans youth. And that by denying that care, that's hurting a lot of them, especially, like, mental health-wise. So I think it's definitely kind of not a great decision to do. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I know this is a common issue, like, around the country. Similar things have been happening like this in um, Tennessee as well. Um, I don't know why the push for this has been happening, but um, Reeves claimed that young kids and their parents were being, quote, taken advantage of, which um, I guess he believes is um, this is a big problem. And um, this hasn't only outraged young people that this directly affects, but it's had parents also voice their concerns because this affects their kids and, like, their happiness and their well-being and how they view the world and view themselves, most importantly. I know the, like, taken advantage of is kind of a more conservative talking point for, like, opposing just queer people in general. Like, oh, they're being pushed to do this by, like, 
it's the new craze or whatever, but like this um, trans people and queer people have existed for forever. So it kind of just sounds like a dumb talking point. And it just kind of seems, I don't know, I don't get the opposition of letting people be themselves. So it's kind of hard to like be like, oh, I kind of get where they're coming from when I don't really. But um, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you mean. I feel like, especially recently, I feel like there's been a lot more availability and like people coming out or like expressing themselves more publicly. And I feel like it's kind of like weird that out of nowhere, or not out of nowhere, I feel like it's kind of been a, a topic around like just America in general that like it's just kind of like taking a step back out of like what we've worked for for the past like few years. Yeah, not even just America. This happens everywhere, and it's kind of sad to see that it's like people's lives are being negatively impacted by one person's kind of weird beliefs. So in much later news, though, um, March is Women's History Month, so I thought for our trivia this week, I'd get some kind of fun facts about it to ask you guys about. So you guys ready to begin? I'm ready. Sorry. All right. So the first question is, when was the first Women's History Day? Like? You can guess. I have month, day, and year, but if you get, like, one of those, I'll give you a point. Like, wait, like? Ever? Like ever? Yeah, in the in the U.S., I think. Do I need like an exact date? Like, she just said month or day. Month March first. Is that? Um. Um, February first. So Jack is right with the month. It is February twenty eighth. Would you oh. guys like to guess the year? The oh, year. is it recent? No. 1920. Oh, that's a little far back. Um, I'll go 1950. 1909, actually. I'm I don't know why I hesitated with is it modern. Like, it's not, but I was like, I don't want to give too many hints. Threw me off a little bit. Yeah, my bad. Um, next is another guess the date one. Um, when did the first Women's History Month begin? When did they, like, designate the month to Women's History? So we would need to say the year for this. Yes, this is this is a year only one. Is it recent? Yeah, more recent than 1909. Okay. I can tell you that. Um, go to 1980s. 1990. Uh, you were both kind of close. It was 1987. So like 80s are right, and 90s are kind of close. So. I think I'm closer. You almost had it. I'm closer. But... Yeah. All right. So the next one was which state was the first to grant women suffrage? Oh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> Massachusetts. That's kind of a safety guess. Very. I'm going to branch out. Um, I'm going to say New York. The correct answer is Rhode Island. They're all kind of northeast area, but. New England. Mm. Yeah. Actually, And the last one, each Women's History Month comes with a theme of, like, who are we trying to celebrate in history? Do you know what the theme for this year is? No clue. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> um, like a theme, like a certain person or like a certain No, like a certain like group. group, kind of. I think it was mentioned on like one of the earlier announcements this month of like women's history, but 
like the school announcements. Yeah. I don't listen to those. Yeah, um, I don't really listen. Um, what was the theme for last year? Can you give us that? Um, I don't know last year, but I know I believe twenty twenty one was validate the vote. It's like women who like helped gain women's suffrage as a whole. It's kind of this is a bit of a niche one. I wasn't expecting you guys to have it, so if you'd like me to just give you the answer, that's fine. I have no clue. All right, this year the theme is celebrating women who tell our stories. So it's oh, about like yeah, I, yeah, I definitely heard of that. I just didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I know there. I know Gem Club's trying to put up like a thing in the hallway that might tell more about it or just women's other important women in their history. So yeah, I think I won. No, I definitely. I was I, like. Cause like it was I think like, it was a bit more of a tie. I wasn't doing well, too good okay, at keeping track one, of points, but he he said February first. I said March first. I was one day off. He was twenty seven days off, but he got the month. She said the uh, month or the day. Okay, but I was like I was one day. That, All that, right. We'll, we'll just say it was a tie. We'll just say it was a tie. I can't. Tie works. I'm not satisfied. Anyway, with uh, speaking of. Um, so now I mentioned women's, like, Gem is doing a bit for women's history, the Girls Empowerment Club. Many other clubs at BHS are looking to make a difference in um, pushing for equality. One of them would be the peer, was like the peer leadership or ADL program here at BHS, which is something that Juliana looked into this week for our SHARE program. There are many clubs and teams to join at BHS, but there is one new program that made its way into the school's list of extracurriculars. Many students have recently gone through ADL training in hopes of becoming a peer leader or peer mediator. I am Juliana Linker, reporting for the BHS podcast, and I sat down with Ms. Gonzalez, a guidance counselor and leader of the program, and Joella, a student peer leader, to talk about the importance of this recent addition to BHS. Were there any specific incidents or things you witnessed at BHS in general that prompted the need for the peer leadership program? Going back in time, um, the peer leadership program came out of um, the diversity council, actually. So we had the diversity council came out of having issues in our building from many years ago, starting uh, back at least five to six years ago. So students had been reporting um, certain incidences, whether it be on social media or um, in school, of different microaggressions, you know, saying things using the N-word, uh, people singing rap music on Instagram and posting that. Um, so students clearly were upset. Joella had similar experiences that she witnessed at BHS that made her want to become a peer leader. Like, this is a specific incident of like the walkout um, last year in, um, in response to like a student saying the N-word and like many like teachers like behavior towards predominantly black students. And like I think that like I think really opened my eyes to like the... Um, I guess, injustices in the school. So we started the Diversity Council in order to um, remedy some of this and mediate um, between students and understanding of what these terms meant and how they were hurtful. Fast forward to the ADL Peer Leadership Program that uh, is the Anti-Defamation League that offers this. Our school district, from the superintendent down, had agreed that we needed something more formal in our school to help educate students, especially given our political climate. And I know there's a lot of people involved in the Diversity Council. How many people like turned in applications to try and be a peer leader? Were you expecting the amount of people? Yeah, so actually when we were 
coming up with this idea of how we would get students to sign up, we were a little bit worried that maybe there wouldn't be many students um, who would want to do the peer leadership program. So we, we first thought we would ask students to do it, and then we decided actually we wanted kids to self-select um, because we felt like if it was important to them, they should be a part of the process and helping to create change. We were really, really pleasantly surprised that we, out of the 25 students that we could have, we ended up with like 46 applications. So we were pretty psyched that there were that many kids who wanted to step up and actually be active in our building. I actually was expecting less because I haven't really met that many like students who were like interested in social justice, but like seeing the amount of people, I think there were like 30, um, who went to the program really, really made me happy. I know the ADL was originally a league against just anti-Semitism, and there's been a lot of data coming out about like a consistent upswing in the number of anti-Semitism incidents. Did the creation of the ADL program at BHS have anything to do with this data, or was it just in general incidents that we've been seeing over the past few years? Yeah, so I'd say it's in general incidences, because um, I wouldn't say that we have one specific issue going on. I, I would say anti-Semitism is a part of some of the issues that we have here, um, along with many others, um, even as far as you know, neurodiversity in our building and how people see neurodivergent students. So I think what uh, we're hoping to do is make sure that people understand what the word diversity encompasses. During the training, did you have like a favorite activity and what did that activity help you learn? I liked, I liked making these little sculptures about my identity. I think it was very eye-opening to see like how like my other peers like identity intertwined. Why do you think this program will be beneficial for BHS as a whole and not just the students that participate in the program? The people who didn't go to the program, like, I think will also benefit as well because, like, like later in the year we're going to be making, like, these presentations to, like, give to, like, younger, like, ninth graders and stuff. So that way um, they'll be able to carry through um, the lessons that they learned from ninth grade throughout their years in high school. The benefit is not only to the peer leaders who are learning about this, they've also learned great, and you can agree because you're a part of them, great presentation skills, um, ways to facilitate versus presenting, learning how to encourage conversations around this in a safe way where people aren't judged. So I do feel like it will help us to build community um, because I believe if we have a strong community where kids feel welcomed and feel like they're important, um, then that breaks down some of the barriers around how somebody might look on the outside or how they might present with behaviors, potentially. And I think it would help us all to see people in a different way and be kind. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on social media at WompTV on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Have a great week, everyone.